Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 34. We are going to shift gears a little bit today from what we've seen in the last few weeks. In the last few weeks as we've gone through Mark, we have seen people who have come and attacked Jesus, maybe a good way to put it. And they were presenting these questions to him and questioning his authority. And really what they were trying to do is trap Jesus, to get him to say something that would make him look bad, to get him to say something that would, that would get him in trouble, to make him look foolish, to present questions to which he may not be able to have a good response to. And we've seen a variety of people who have come at Jesus, pretty much really every group that we've seen throughout Jesus' ministry come against him have taken their best shot here in this last week of Jesus' life. The chief priests, the scribes, and the elders, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Herodians, all of these groups have come at Jesus with these questions, and Jesus has, has, has shot them down every time. He has given them a wise response, a response that they could not, that they could not come back against. Jesus has... Has, has, really, has really stumped them. They, they don't have anything to say when Jesus, to Jesus when Jesus speaks, and that is true for all of us. What can we say to Jesus when Jesus speaks? Uh, one day we will stand before the Lord on Judgment Day, and when the Lord speaks to us, what will we have to say? Well, there's really nothing that we can say other than bow down to the Lord, and uh, the Lord will leave us speechless, I believe, in the same way that he... Uh, left this group here speechless, although for those who were in Christ, uh, that speechlessness may last for a moment, but it will be followed by an eternity of praise. Here today we have someone else who is coming uh, at Jesus, but not really in the same way as those that we've seen before. This person who is coming to Jesus today and questioning Jesus doesn't seem to have the same malice as the groups before. Uh, they, 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 maybe they do. Maybe they hate Jesus just the same. But at least in the question that they ask and the response that they give to Jesus, it doesn't appear that there is the same malice that we've seen with those who have come against Jesus before. So let's pray, and then we will jump into the text. Father God, we come to you this morning, and I pray that you give me boldness to preach and to teach your word, and that you allow me to open my mouth, God, and the Holy Spirit would speak through me, and that you would keep me humble, and that you would... Help me to say just what you want us to hear today. And we thank you, God, for your word. We thank you that we can come and hear it. We thank you for the freedom. And God, I pray that you will be in this place, that your Holy Spirit will move among us in a mighty way and impact our life. And let your words do a mighty work here today. Hide me behind the cross and give us a good day, dear Lord, as we look at your word. In Jesus' name, I ask it. Amen. Verse 28, Mark chapter 12, verse 28. One of the scribes approached. When he heard them debating and saw that Jesus answered them well, he asked him, which command is the most important of all? So here is a scribe who sees Jesus' interaction with these other people, and he acknowledges that Jesus is giving good answers, that he is answering these questions well. Obviously, Jesus is a wise man. And that wisdom of Jesus' responses had been apparent to this onlooker who had been seeing these things that had taken place. And so he asked Jesus a question, and not an unreasonable question, and, and, and what some of these other questions were that had been asked to Jesus. He asked Jesus what, 
we might, a question that we ourselves may have even considered. Jesus, what is the most important command of all the things that we could do? What is the most important thing for us to do? Now, when he speaks of the command here, he, he could have the Ten Commandments in mind, or he could be speaking more broadly of all of the commands that God gave in the Old Testament. God gave a lot of commands to his people Israel, and it may very well be that this scribe genuinely wanted to know the answer to this. God, of all the things that we can do, God, if, if I'm yours and I'm your follower and I'm your child, God, what is the most important thing that you would have me to do? And that's what this guy asked. What is the most important of all the commands? Now, we may be expecting Jesus to respond with one of the Ten Commandments here. Maybe even the scribe was. We don't know. Uh, those are the commands that come to our mind. But Jesus answers in a way that is quite beautiful, which is why I love this passage, because he really sums up the Christian life in, in these couple of statements and these couple of commands that we look at. How are we to live as Christians? What does God want us to do? Well, these two commands sum up everything that we need to know about the Christian life. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't need to study God's Word and we don't need to see some specific things that Jesus teaches us about and that God tells us in the Old Testament are words of wisdom that we see of Paul or Peter. It's not to say that we are not to look at those things and study those things and learn from those things, but everything we need to learn, everything we read in Scripture, if, as far as what God commands us to, that we are to live by as Christians, can be summed up and these two commands. And Jesus responds in verse 29. This is the most important, Jesus answered. Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. Now, Jesus is quoting from Deuteronomy here. He's, he's, he's quoting a verse from what we would call the Old Testament. And so the guy says, what is the most important thing that we can do as followers of God? And Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Now, he had answered the man's question, but Jesus didn't stop there. He told him the most important thing to do, but then he gives him a bonus response. He gives him a little bit extra. He gives him a little bit of land yet. And while you're asking, while you're seeking, why you want to know this answer, let me tell you something else. You follow God with all your heart, and he says, as we continue on in verse 31, the second is love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other command greater than these. Now, that's pretty simple. That's one reason why I like this command. This is a pretty simple command that Jesus gives us here. One, love God. Two, love your neighbor. You guys can put that on my tombstone if you want to. I, that's a, that's, I think that's the best message that we can give. When we, when we tell people about Jesus Christ and we tell them this command that Jesus gave, it cannot get any simpler than this. This is what God calls us to, brothers and sisters in Christ. This is how we are to live our life. This is an easy thing for us to check. Am I living my life right? Okay, check. Do I love God with all my heart? Maybe. Do I love other things more than God? Yeah, I think I do. I love my family more than God. I love my possessions more than God. All right, we fail the test. What do we do? We repent. We repent and we love God more than we love all of these other people or all of these other things. 
when we check our life against these commands and the things that we do in our life, if they don't show that we love God most, then we repent of those things and we love God with all of our heart. Another check. Jesus says, love your neighbor. Wow, that's pretty broad, right? How do we love our neighbor? Well, we, we think about the golden rule, perhaps. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Who is our neighbor? Everybody is our neighbor. Anybody that we encounter is our neighbor. What does Jesus say? That we are to love our neighbor. Well, that's an easy one to check. Do we love our neighbor? Well, maybe we do, maybe we don't. Do we, do we, do we harbor anger against someone who has done us wrong? Do we, do, we, do we hate someone? Do we try to avoid someone? Do we wish for harm to happen to someone? Do we, do we trample over others in order to get our way? Do we care more about ourselves or do we care more about others? Well, we can look at those things. If we have hatred toward others, if we love ourselves more than others, then guess what? We fail that command that Jesus has called us to. We are indeed not loving our neighbors, as Jesus has said. Now, while these two commands are not commands that we see specifically listed out in the Ten Commandments, they do tell us pretty much everything that God wants us to get from the Ten Commandments. If you go back and look at those commandments, you can see that the first few speak about God and our relationship to God, that we are not to have any other gods before Him, that we are not to take God's name in vain. And then we see those toward the end of the Ten Commandments that talk about uh, not, not stealing from other people and not murdering other people, things that have to do with our relationships with other human beings. And so when Jesus says, love God and love your neighbor, he is very simply summing up what God intends for us to get when we read the Ten Commandments and more broadly when we read all of the commandments that God gave. This has been God's desire for us ever since he made humanity is that we love him and that we love one another. This is what God wants from us because God is love. And that needs to be our goal in life, is that we love God and that we love other people. And if we look at these scriptures and we look at the rest of God's word and we see areas where we are failing and we see that our love for God and for others is not what it should be, then we need to repent. Now, I'm going to tell you, we need love in our world today. Now, I'm not saying that there isn't love. Look, there's a lot of bad stuff in our world today. You know what I know. It. We watch the news. We hear the stories. We see stuff in our own lives, in our own families, in our own community, in our country, and in our world. There is a lot of evil in our world. But the only way that we are going to combat that evil, there is only one thing that is able to overcome evil, and that is love. That is the goodness of God. And we, as brothers and sisters in Christ, must band together in love to stand against the evils of the world. And so it is important for us to remember what Peter says, that above all, maintain an intense love for one another, because love covers a multitude of sins. Now, what the devil would desire of us 
the devil would desire to destroy the church. And when I say church, I don't mean enterprise. I mean the church as followers of Jesus Christ. But he also would desire to destroy this church specifically as well, too. I mean, God, or excuse me, Satan would desire to destroy any body of Christ. Any followers of God, uh, Satan would desire to destroy. And the way we combat that evil, the way we combat that destruction, the way we combat all the things that we see in our life and in our world is by continuing to love one another. And so we must stand on guard because, boy, the devil will attack us. He will certainly attack us Christians because we are, are, are what, is, what, is, what is keeping so much evil from happening in that we are we are teaching and preaching the word of god we are showing people the love of god and as a result of that people are coming to jesus christ every day and praise the lord when that occurs and so if the devil can break up the work of god's people if he can break up churches like enterprise baptist church then he can succeed in in accomplishing his goal of not uh, getting other people to Jesus Christ. If they don't hear the good news, if they don't hear the love of Christ, if they don't see the love of Christ, then they may not put their faith in Jesus Christ. That's what the devil desires. So we must stand guard. We see all the things in the world and we see all the evils in the world and we say, man, this is bad. What are we going to do? Well, we're going to keep loving each other. As Christians, that's really all we can do. We can love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and we can love our neighbor as ourselves. We tell people what love is in Jesus Christ. Love is not just a word, but love is an action, an action that is shown to us in its perfection in Jesus Christ's death and resurrection, that Jesus Christ gave his life on a cross, that he was beaten, that he was mocked, and that he was nailed to the cross for the forgiveness of sins. That is love. And that is the love that we need to exhibit and tell the world about. And so we, brothers and sisters in Christ, must stand guard because there's a lot of evil in this world. And the devil would like to get a lot of evil in our hearts. He would like to cause a lot of tension in our hearts and a lot of animosity among brothers and sisters in Christ. But we must stand firm because we have experienced the love of Christ if we have put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And we know that God has called us to be on mission for him and to love him and to love our neighbors. And we need to make sure, brothers and sisters in Christ, that we are doing that now more than ever. Our world needs to see the goodness of God. And it is there. The goodness of God has not changed. God is still good. And God will still use us. And we may not see very much good in the world but maybe if we say well i don't see much good in the world then maybe we need to try that much harder to bring a little more good into the world and not goodness that is of ourselves because we cannot bring good it is goodness that comes from god it is the goodness of god through the grace of jesus christ and that is the goodness that we want our world to see in a world full of bad we serve a god who is full of goodness and full of grace and we want to love one another and love god so that the world can see the message of that love. Continuing on in verse 32. Then the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have correctly said that he is one, and there is no one else except him, and to love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, and with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. is far more important than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. 
This is, I, I think this is kind of funny. Maybe it's not, but I think it's kind of funny that this scribe, when Jesus answers, he acknowledges that he's right. And so somehow the scribe is the teacher, and like he's asking Jesus to pass the test, and Jesus passed the test. Oh, you got the right answer. Good job. You did good. You, you got the right answer. Of course Jesus got the right answer. He is God. He is the Son of God. He is the Word who became flesh. Of course Jesus knows what he's talking about when he says, love God and love your neighbor. But praise the Lord, this guy knows it too. He acknowledges it. He says, you're right. He understands God's word. And we see that at the end of his statement because he said, look, to love God and to love your neighbor is more important than burnt offerings and sacrifices. Yes, he got it. This guy got it. God wanted people to get it. That's what God had been wanting throughout the whole Old Testament. God had even said so much in the Old Testament. God deserves a broken and, and, and humble heart more than he, than he desires uh, 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 burnt offerings and sacrifices. That's what God wants is our heart. He wants us to have a heart of love that seeks him and seeks to love other people. And this guy got it. Now, I don't know if any of these other people before Jesus got it. It doesn't appear that they did, and if they did get it, they certainly didn't live by it because they did not have any desire to do what God's Word said. They did not have any desire to listen to Jesus and to follow Jesus. But here, after all of these people have come and attacked Jesus, it seems as though this one person genuinely is seeking Jesus and wants to hear what Jesus has to say and is pleased to hear when Jesus says these words, and he gets it. Yeah, that's what God really wants. He doesn't want any burnt offerings or sacrifices. He wants us to love him and to love one another. Well, guess what? That's the same thing God wants of us today. Now, we don't have burnt offerings and sacrifices in the same way that the people of the Old Testament did, that the people of Israel did in the past, because Jesus is our perfect sacrifice. We don't offer animal sacrifices anymore. So we don't offer burnt offerings and things like that in an attempt to earn God's favor, which we cannot do. But perhaps there are things that we do to try to earn God's favor. Perhaps we feel like if we come to church, more often we earn God's favor. Well, I'm not there every week, but I'm there two out of four weeks. And that's enough to earn God's favor. Or maybe we were like, no, it better be three out of four. Or maybe we say, I'm going to give 11% in the offering place. I usually give 10, but I'm going to give 11. And that's going to please God that I'm giving above and beyond what I'm required to give. And I'm going to look at some words, and that way when I pray, I can say fancy words and longer words, and I can speak in a, in, a, in a proud way when I pray in front of others. And we do all these things, perhaps, and we think that it will bring us favor with God. Well, these things don't bring us favor with God. These are things that God does not care about. Now, of course God cares if we come and worship. He wants us to come together and worship in his house and he wants us to be with one another and to and to sing praises to him of course god is is pleased when we do those things he's pleased when we give back from what we have to him it's not that god is does not like that we do those things of course he is pleased when we do those things out of love but to do those things simply to earn favor from god well you might as well stop doing them because those things will not earn us favor with god because that's not what god desires of us it does God no good that we give some burnt offerings. That's not what God wants. What God wants is you. He wants a relationship with you. He doesn't want you to go through the motions. He doesn't want you to stand before him one day in judgment so that he can say, wow, I see that you went to church three out of four Sundays and put 11% in. Good job. 
That's not what God wants. God wants a relationship with you. Those things are not a relationship. Those things are just things. What God wants is your heart. He wants your heart that loves Him. He wants a heart that says, Look, here is a God who is the creator of the heavens and the earth, and He has provided for me, and He has sent His one and only Son to die on a cross so that I could be forgiven of my wretched sins, so that He can be with me. Whoa! God, I praise you. God, I accept your grace. I accept your mercy. I don't deserve it. But thank you for it, God. I come to you and I praise you because you are good. That's what God wants. And then God can have a relationship with us. And we can have a relationship with him. And it's a love that's mutual. It's a love that we have seen in God's actions toward us. And it's a love that we show because of God's grace that we have received by loving him in return. That's what God wants. And it should be easy that if we love God in that way, it should be only natural that we love one another in that way. That we love our neighbors in that way that we take that love and that relationship that we experience with God through Jesus Christ, and we have that same relationship with those in this world. It's about relationships. It's about love. This is what it's about. This is why it's good for us to come together in this building as brothers and sisters in Christ and to love one another and to be gracious to one another and to be merciful to one another and to forgive one another. Why? Because that's what God does to us. To provide for one another. To love for one another. To be there for one another. To encourage one another. To strengthen one another. Why? Because that's what God does for us. We experience a relationship with God, which is what God wants. And then we take that relationship and we share it with other people in this world. So that people will see that relationship and in that they will see God. So what's the most important thing for us to do? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. To shorten it up, love God, love your neighbor. Love God, love people. We'll make it even shorter than that. And so this guy gets it. This guy, he hears what Jesus says, and he understands it. Now, I hope that we understand it today. I hope that you understand that there is nothing more important than following Jesus Christ because there is no forgiveness or grace in anyone other than Jesus Christ. There is God, and God is one. There is no multiple gods, as Jesus acknowledged at the beginning of his response, and the man acknowledged in answering back to Jesus. There is only one God, and that one God loves you and sent his only son to die for you on a cross. And that is the one God that we must seek for our salvation. There is nothing else or no one else in this world who will save us. This guy got it. At least he understood the truth of God's word. He understood what Jesus was trying to say. But was he going to follow Jesus? Was he going to live by these commands? Let's read a little further. When Jesus saw that he answered intelligently, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And no one dared to question him any longer. Isn't that something right there? Jesus hears this man's response. This guy gets it. He answered intelligently, Jesus acknowledges that. And what does he tell the man? He says, you are not far from the kingdom of God. So apparently this man had not entered into the kingdom of God. 
but he was really close because he heard the truth and he got it. And he was not far from the kingdom of God. When you hear the truth of God's word and you hear the truth of, uh, of the gospel of Jesus Christ and you understand it and you acknowledge, hey, this is right, then good news, you are not far from the kingdom of God. But you are not in the kingdom of God until you say, I've heard the truth, I know this is truth, I accept this truth, and I follow this truth. Then you enter into the kingdom of God. Jesus said at the beginning of Mark, when he began his ministry, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. The kingdom of God has come near because Jesus was entrance to the kingdom of God. And the message of Jesus and the sacrifice of Jesus was entrance into the kingdom of God. And when Jesus came and began to minister, the kingdom of God had come near. And many people heard the truth Jesus spoke. But not all those people entered into the kingdom of God, even though it was close. Even though some of them maybe even understood that what Jesus said was true. They weren't willing to accept and live by that truth. Now this man here, he got it. He got it. He knew what Jesus said was true. He knew what Jesus said was right. He knew that that's what God wanted him to do. And Jesus says, you are not far. Once you know the truth, now follow the truth. Now that's true for you and us here today too. There may be some of you in this room this morning that are not far from the kingdom of God. You may have been going to church for many years. You may have heard God's word. You may know that it's true. You may know that it's right. You may know that Jesus is the Son of God, and you may know that you're a sinner, and you may know that the words that Jesus tells us today to love God and love people, we may know this is right. This is what God wants us to do. You may know all of those things. You may know that they're truth. But now answer this question to yourself. Have I followed that truth? Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by Him. You have heard the truth of God's words today. You may even be acknowledging it's true. You may have been acknowledging that it's truth for the last 30, 40, 50, 60 years. But have you accepted that truth? Have you followed Jesus? Have you said, Lord, I hear your word, I see your Savior, and I come to him, and I repent, and I ask for forgiveness for my sins so that I may follow him, and God, I may love you with all my heart, and I may love my neighbor. There may be some of you this morning, you heard that truth, and you know it's true, and you're not far from the kingdom of God today. Well, I want to tell you today's a good day to enter the kingdom of God. There may be some of you sitting here, and maybe you've gone to church your whole life. Maybe the Holy Spirit's working on you today. Maybe He's been working on you for a week or two or a year or two. And maybe deep down in your heart, you're thinking, I just don't know. I mean, I know God's Word is true, and I believe God's Word. But maybe you're thinking, I don't know that I've ever really trusted God. I don't know that I've ever really followed Jesus Christ and made Him my Savior. Maybe you've been close to the kingdom of God for years. But maybe you know today that you're not in the kingdom of God. You're standing right outside the gate of the kingdom. God wants you to be in the kingdom. He wants you to enter into the kingdom through Jesus Christ. 
So maybe today you feel that conviction and you, you realize, I'm not in there. I've never entered in. Well, I hope you enter in today. I hope you hear these words of Jesus Christ that was spoken to this man and, and maybe today you will enter into the kingdom of God. Whether this man did, I don't know. We don't have any way to know whether this man ever entered into the kingdom or not. We can ask ourselves the question of, did he? That one we don't have an answer to. But a better question to ask is, have I entered the kingdom of God? That's a question that you can provide an answer to. Maybe the answer today is, no, I have not. You know what? I have not entered the kingdom of God. Well, if you realize that, praise the Lord. Now, I hope the next thing you say is, but I want to enter the kingdom of God. I want to love God with all my heart and love my neighbor as myself. I want to come to Jesus so that my sins can be forgiven. One quick story before we close. There's a guy by the name of John Wesley. Some of you may be familiar with him, especially those in the Methodist circles. He was a, he was a, he was a famous preacher that was instrumental way back in the 15, 16, 1700s. I'm not sure exactly uh, when his time was. But in that time in church history, he was instrumental and doing God's work, and he was with, with some other Christian men of the day, and they even had a, a holy club where they would get together and they would study Scripture, and, and John Wesley uh, went, went on a missionary journey. He came to uh, Georgia, and he came to the, to the States, and he came to Georgia, and he did some missionary work there among Native Americans, and it was unsuccessful missionary work, and as he was on a ship and returning home, uh, the ship, uh, they found themselves in these storms, and on that ship, there were Christians on the ship, and, and boy, they had a lot more faith. They weren't nearly as, as worried about this storm as John Wesley was, and boy, he really began to question and begin to think about his faith. Here he was, a Christian man, and been serving the Lord, and knew God's Word, and studied God's Word, and was doing missionary work, but, but that journey home, he really began to question things, and he really began to think about things, and he really began to wonder, am I really even a Christian. And here was a man who was doing all this work for the Lord that probably anybody you would have asked, if you would have said, is, is John a Christian? And I said, oh yeah, oh Wesley, yeah, he's a Christian, of course. But he realized that he wasn't. And not long after that, one day he opened up his Bible and he, he randomly opened his Bible up and he pointed to a passage and he looked down at that passage and he read his Bible and the passage said, you are not far from the kingdom of of God. And he knew, he knew that even though he had been doing all these things and even though he knew God's word and even though he had been doing God's work, he knew that he was not a child of God. He knew that he had never put his faith in Jesus Christ. And then John Wesley became a Christian. And his name is still widely known among us today because he was a great Christian preacher of his day. But he knew that he was close to the kingdom but he had never entered in. Maybe that's some of you today. Maybe you've been close, but I want you to be in. If you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, we're going to have an invitation here in a second. And I encourage you to come down. If the Holy Spirit is convicting you, I encourage you to come down. I want to pray for you. Maybe you just want to confess it and let everybody know, look, today I'm entering into the kingdom. Today, I'm not just going to know God's Word, but I'm going to live on God's Word. And I'm going to live on Jesus Christ. Maybe you need to pray. You want to come kneel down and pray. Maybe you are His and you, you know you're His. 
But you just need to repent. Come down here and kneel down and repent. Come down, I'll pray with you. But if the Holy Spirit's convicting you today, boy, I hope you don't leave this place not being part of the kingdom of God. Jesus has paid the price. The door is open. There is forgiveness and there's grace. And he wants to give it to you today. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you today. We thank you for these good words. This is good stuff, dear Lord. And I pray that you help us to live by these words, that we would trust Jesus, the one who brings us these words, the one who gave his life for us. And God, that we would love you with all we got. And that we would love each other, dear Lord, the way that you love us. And God, I pray that we know that truth, that we understand that truth. And God, I pray that we know that the kingdom of God has, has come near. And God, if there are some that are close today, I pray that they'd come on in through Jesus Christ. I pray that if there are some today and they, they just aren't sure, maybe they've gone to church their whole life, maybe they've even been baptized, maybe they, they know the Bible good, but God, maybe today in their heart they're just not sure. They just don't know that they know that they know that they are yours. And God, they want to be sure. I pray that they'd give their heart to you today. God, I pray that if, if they are not far from your kingdom, that your Holy Spirit is convicting them, burdening them, letting them know of your love, letting them know of your grace, so that today, dear Lord, they'd be yours, that they'd put their faith in you. And God, I pray that you'd help those who are yours to live by these words, that we love you and we love our neighbor. We thank you, God, for, good, for your good words, and we thank you for being good to us today. And I pray that you bless these next few minutes as we close this service. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's service. To learn more about Jesus, call or text Pastor Shan at 601-657-0180 or email him at shanvnme.com. You can also visit us at www.enterprisebaptist.church or follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash ebcliberty. We hope that you have been blessed by today's service.